Hi, this is Sam Chand, and welcome to the Sam Chand Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. I got another good friend here coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking here about optimization versus innovation, and we're going to be hearing from the one and the only Martine Vantilborg. I had the opportunity to meet Martine uh, and Sam in Bogota, Colombia. We were at a big leaders pastors conference, thousands of people, and, uh, and, and it was awesome to meet Martine and get to hear his heart a little bit. He is just always thinking, who can we reach? How can we reach them? As the co-founder of Avail, the, the premier Christian leadership journal, also co-founder of Inspire, which Dr. Sam Chan was just talking about. These guys, these guys show up on magazine covers. That, that's, what, that's the type of speakers we have here. People are making an impact and making a difference. Um, I love this. He is a strategic marketing architect. He is a consultant for numerous large organizations. He's also a minister, author, speaker, as well as a serial entrepreneur. Innovation, passion, tenacity. These are words that come to mind when I think about Martine. And right now we have the opportunity to hear from Martine Van Tilburg. Martine, we're all yours. Hey, man. Virgil, you know what? You're simply the best, my friend. <laughs> hey, guys, I need to apologize really, really quick. It's nice to be here, by the way. Uh, next 20 minutes, we're up for a fun ride. But the link that we just gave to claim that free subscription to Inspire, I'm going to update the link in the chat right now. Not that the link was wrong, but the link that uh, was shared, and this is my fault, I gave our team the wrong link, is for US only. The one that I just shared is for both US and international. If you want to claim that uh, free subscription to Inspire. And this guy here, we're going to hear from him, I think, in a little bit, Dr. Chris Bowen. Um, so if you're not in the US or Canada, Click the link in the chat and that one will work better for you. Alrighty, so I was inspired by Dr. Chan's message, Purple Cow. I read that same book years ago um, and it, it has also driven my thought process ever since I read it. So I wanna, what I wanna do today is I wanna talk about optimization versus innovation, which really ties in well with the purple message. And I'm going to use the purple lingo, if that's okay. So we're going to stay on, on topic. We're going to continue to talk purple. And um, yeah, so let's go. So I want to start with a question. And the question is this. Are you ready? What if purple is the new black? Hmm. What if purple is the new black or brown? right? Because something that's purple at some point no longer is purple. Because innovation keeps happening all the time. We simply cannot, um, sorry, I'm, I'm just looking at my screen here and I'm, I just want to make sure that I'm in the speaker's view because I don't see myself. If everybody else sees me normal, just say I'm seeing you normal and I'll be good to go. Um, what if purple is the new black? Because the nature of innovation is that at some point, what was innovative at some point is no longer innovative, right? 
What was purple at one point becomes black tomorrow. It becomes common. What if all cows were purple? Suddenly, that purple is not so remarkable anymore, is it? So we want to make sure that we continue to innovate, we continue to advance, we continue to be remarkable, and we continue to reinvent ourselves. So when you think of Uber, for example, Uber was a very revolutionary invention that completely disrupted the taxi industry. But you know whatever happened after Uber became a thing? Everybody started to invent the Uber for this, the Uber for that, the Uber for that. And there became all kind of Uber version of that same thing, which made Uber a lot less remarkable than they were when they originally launched. So we need to dig deep, pull out what God has deposited in us to continue to innovate as we move forward in our organizations. Now, it's one thing to ask the question, how do I become the go-to person in my industry? But before we can answer that question, we have to answer the question, what it is that makes us remarkable? So let's zoom in on the what before we zoom in on the how. Is that okay? So what is it that I possess that I can leverage to become remarkable in my industry. That's what, what, what I'm interested in. Because if I can pinpoint the what, I can figure out the how. Let me say that again. If I can pinpoint the what, I can figure out the how. If I don't know what it is that makes me special, if I know what it is that makes me remarkable, <coughs> it's very hard to figure out the how. So, um, as a marketing consultant, I often get the question, do you think that I have what it takes to do blank? And the blank is dependent on whoever is on the other side of the table, right? Do you have what it takes for me to fulfill the vision that I just presented to you? And my answer is always yes. You know why? Because the core of my belief system tells me that every person every single individual has a value proposition that God deposited in their hearts. Nobody excluded has something unique that can be leveraged to make an impact in the world around us. If you don't believe that, you don't believe the word of God, you don't believe what God declared over you, it's, it's part of our foundational belief. So if you possess a vision that was born in your heart, I believe that that's not there for an accident. It wasn't an accident that that vision lives in your heart. God placed it there. The Bible says when God shows up, when he pours out his spirit, what happens? Young men will, young men will receive vision and old men who lost their dream will dream again. When there's a dream in your heart, when there's a vision in your heart, God placed it there. And you know what? When that dream's there, when that vision's there, it's the evidence that you have what it takes to manifest that dream, to manifest that vision. Now, you know where it goes wrong? It goes wrong in our minds. 
because our minds are conditioned by what we see around us, right? If all we see is black cows, you and I are gonna assume that there's no such thing as a purple cow. Therefore, we're not gonna go mentally into a place where we try to create something that we think cannot exist. Does it make sense? So what is the difference here? Well, some of you have heard me talked about optimization and innovation, but it's basically the difference between what I call the left side of the line and the right side of the line. I hope you can see this. Here's a dividing line with two columns. On the left, it says optimization. On the right, it says innovation. What is the difference? Optimization is a world that's hierarchically organized like this. Innovation is a world where there's a horizontal spectrum that's organized like this. What do I mean by that? This is when Jesus says, those born of man, nobody is greater than John. Remember that scripture? So Jesus says, there is a world, there is a system, and in that system, only one is the greatest. His name is John, right? Talk about John the Baptist. He has the number one spot. And everybody else in that ecosystem, in that world, is competing for that same number one spot, right? So John is the blackest cow in the room. And everybody else is competing to become slightly blacker to be as black as John, or as brown as John, or as Palomino as John, right? I call this the world where you can become the best mediocre, mediocre you that you can possibly be. Let me repeat that. This is the world where you can become the best mediocre self you can ever become. Because there's only one number one spot that you can possess. Make sense? So when Jesus says, those born of man, nobody's greater than John, there's not a period, there's a comma. And the comma says, but those born of the kingdom, even the smallest will be greater than that. So Jesus presents us with a purple opportunity to stand out from the crowd that moves us to the right side of the line where you can become so purple, so remarkable, where your purpleness trumps the most black cow on the left side of the line. Hmm, interesting, right? Somebody once said, if you cannot become number one in the category, create a new category to be number one in. So we gotta figure out what that unique value proposition is that God deposited inside of us because that answers the what. What is it that makes us stand out? What is it that makes us remarkable? It's the unique value proposition or gift that God has deposited in our heart. Isaiah 43 says it this way, behold, I will do a new thing. And I used to think that one day I will wake up and out of the blue, suddenly God will do something new that will surprise us all. 
But as I started thinking about this, I started to realize that the new thing that God is doing, he is not going to do by himself. He is going to do it through you, right? Because if God can align you with the unique value proposition that lives inside of you, that dream, that vision, whenever that manifests, there's no point of reference in the past, nor in the future, nor in the present, that compares to that gift that's inside of you. It's called uniqueness. So at the foundation of our belief system, we have to adopt the belief that what I have, nobody else has. And therefore, I am unique. When I manifest the very thing that God deposited in me, I am giving the world around me that unique value proposition that knows no competition. So instead of looking at all black and brown and palomino cows, we got to move to the right side of the line and tap into what God has placed inside of us. Make sense? All right. So let's go there. How do you get there? How do you break your mind out of a place that is conditioned by what happens everything around you? Because certain things we simply don't question, do we? It's the power of what I call assumption. Now, not a positive power. It's the power to keep us black, to keep us brown, to keep us palomino. It's the power of assumption that cows cannot be purple. And I wrote it down as Sam was talking. Whatever you assume, you don't question. Whatever you assume, you don't question. So if you don't believe there is such a thing as a purple cow, you will never try to be a purple cow. You simply start to model after other cows to try to be incrementally slightly better than the next cow around in competition and pursuit of that number one spot. Interesting, right? So there are five things, five steps and there's no time to really go into it, that will take you mentally, spiritually, to a place where you can create something purple. All right? The first one I started hinting at, which is what I call awareness. The second one is think purple. The third one is act purple. The fourth one is to remove the option of brown and black or palomino. And the fifth one is to create something purple. So I'm gonna hit really quickly in the next nine minutes on each one of those five. Awareness, again, whatever you assume, you don't question. So we need to make sure that we remove the assumptions from our mindsets, from our thinking, to open up a gateway to start thinking purple. Because we can't think purple unless the assumptions in our mind are being removed. Now there's this story in Zechariah number two, uh, chapter two, where a man is on his way to Jerusalem. He has a measuring line in his hand. He's building the city of God. He is, he is contributing 
to build the city of Zion. And on his way, he's excited to contribute to the work of the Lord. And the angel stops him. What does the angel say? The angel says, stop. What do you think you're doing? Because the city of God, the city of Jerusalem will be inhabited as towns without walls. In other words, the assumption the man had was the city that he was building was going to have walls. Because in his mind, what other city exists? Obviously, when we're building a city, including the city of God, it's going to have walls. And everything he did, including the tool he had, the measuring line, was based on the assumption that the thing he was building was going to have walls. And it was the assumption that kept him from accurately manifesting what God really had in mind for him to do. God wanted him to be purple, and the angel stopped him and made him, step one, aware that there were assumptions in his mind that kept him from thinking and being purple. He says, the city God wants to build will not have walls. So unless you're aware of your assumptions, you're simply going to assume that there is no such thing outside of the paradigm that you have in your current situation. Make sense? So step one, uh, awareness. Guess what? You're a brown cow. Guess what? I want you to be purple. Guess what? The assumption that you have in your mind that there is no such thing as a purple cow keeps you from being purple. All right. Two, think purple. We got to think purple. Now that we are aware that there is a opportunity for us beyond our current paradigm, we have to allow our minds to wander off to a place where we can think of something that has never been done before. Now that thing that we want to create needs to be in alignment with what God has deposited inside of you for it for you to have this unfair advantage over your competition. Why? Again, because that is what is your, the power. That is what separates you. That is what makes you unique. So if we create something out of that unique value proposition inside of you, it knows no competition. And by default, it will be purple. All right, make sense? Type, that makes sense, if that makes sense. All right. So two is to think outside of the box that you are in. To think outside of the default brown black Palomino, so that you can start seeing the opportunity ahead of you. Now, there's a lot more to say about that, and there's a lot more scriptures about that actually as well. I've written a book, it's called Unboxed. If you don't have it yet, it will break down all these steps of living purple, essentially, uh, in a lot of detail, a lot of scripture, a lot of revelation. You can go to theartofleadership.com, and uh, click on store, you can get a copy there. Okay, so the third step is now that you think purple, you have to act purple. Remember what the Bible says? 
Faith without works is what? Dead. So we need to put our faith to action and we need to align our behavior with what we've seen outside of that paradigm that we just discovered. So the Bible also says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So there's these people, right? They always have ideas. They always have ideas. They never do anything. You can only keep up with having ideas without action so long before you become disappointment, appointed, because before you become disillusion. The Bible is right. The heart is sick when uh, hope lingers too long. You've seen something purple, but you will never see something in real life purple. It's just conceptual. It's a great idea. But now we need to put faith to work, which is not always easy because you're going against the status quo, right? You're creating something that has never been done before. Therefore, you're walking a path that nobody else has walked in. Uh, somebody once told me, the higher you climb the mountain, the less people you meet, right? And that's true because being purple requires you to walk a path nobody walked before, which can be a lonely journey. But I want to encourage you to step out in faith and put your faith to work to start manifesting uh, the purple you've seen in the natural, okay? So awareness, think purple, act purple, and then four, you have to remove the option of being black, brown, and palomino. You have to refuse to be like everybody else. The option needs to be completely removed from the possibilities. Remember when Elijah and Elisha started working together? It was Elijah that walked by the field where Elisha was plowing, right? He was plowing, he was a farmer. That was his life. He was doing the same thing everybody else was doing in his little village. And then the call of God disrupted his non-purpleness, right? And Elijah threw the mantle, which represents the gift of God, the anointing of God on his life. And initially he came up with excuses that kept him, that wanted to keep him in the status quo. And then Elijah told him off. And then what did Elisha do? He took the plow, he broke it to pieces, he put it on fire, and then he sacrificed his oxen on top of that plow wood. If there ever was a back, that back was no longer there. If he ever wanted to go back to what he used to do, there was no thing to go back to because he had sacrificed it and removed the option. <clears throat> if we want to become purple, we honestly have to remove the option to ever go back to not being purple. Because there comes a time in your life when things get tough that going back to being a brown cow is going to look very attractive, right? It's like the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. What did they do? They wanted to go eat those leeks and onions. Really? As opposed to the promise, they wanted to eat the onions of Egypt. We got to remove the option of Egypt from our thinking completely. And then five, 
once we are completely free of thinking regular cow, we got to create something purple. So really quick, 60 seconds. What does that mean? Going back to the what. What makes me purple? There's three levels of revelation that we can have. Level number one is when Jesus asks you, who do people say that I am? Remember that scripture? Peter sits down, Jesus asks, who do people say that I am? Some say this, some say that. The word on the street is, some say you're John, some say you're a prophet, some say this, some say that, okay? There is a place in your walk with God where you simply believe what other people say about Jesus. That's fine. When you're a young Christian, you don't have the discernment to accurately understand who Jesus is, and you're dependent on those who teach you. But there comes a time when Jesus turns to you and says, hey, listen, I know what the word on the street is, but who do you say that I am? And I remember Peter answered that question by saying, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says, wow, this is revelation coming from the Father. Nobody told you this. This is amazing. You know by revelation for yourself, not because of anybody else, that I'm the Christ. We tend to stop there, right? We tend to make it our goal to make everybody see that Jesus is the Christ, which is important. But it's the foundation for something far more powerful which is being purple. Because there's a third level of revelation that very few people ever talk about that is needed to become purple. And that's when Jesus doesn't just ask you what other people say. He doesn't just ask you, who do you think I am? But it's when Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, now that you know who I am, let me tell you who you are. And that, my friends, is what that, that is what's going to drive you to become purple. Because when Jesus identified the unique value proposition in Peter's life, he says, you will be Peter, and on that rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So how can we stand out? Is to tap into that third level revelation, where we don't just simply believe in who Jesus is, but we start embracing and believing in who Jesus says we are. Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against you and I being purple. Amen? All right. My time's up. Unboxed. Theartofleadership.com. Click store. You'll see several books of me. There's another one called uh, A Time of War. Came out yesterday. Yep. It's about the inevitable conflict between the church of today and the church of tomorrow. They're both avail books. I think you're gonna, if you enjoyed this, you're gonna enjoy those books. Theartofleadership.com slash store. Virgil, back to you.